Punching Holes in the Darkness is a podcast by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. It's an opportunity for pastors and leaders in Michigan churches to have their voices heard and to share how to best reach our mission field from Detroit to the Upper Peninsula. Friends, I want to introduce to you one of our new partners. It is GuideServe. They are our financial partner who helps us take care of all of our nickels and noses, so to speak. Uh, GuideServe is an outsourced accounting partner for our Baptist State Convention of Michigan. Uh, GuideServe provides professional accounting solutions to churches and ministries all across the country. And they offer, they truly offer some comprehensive accounting and payroll solutions to organizations ranging from just beginning church plant to large churches and expansive ministries. And listen, if you'd like to know more about them, you can visit their website at guideserve.com or send them an email at info at guideserve.com. And by the way, if you mention BSCM, uh, when you do, it'll be a benefit to us as well. So welcome our new partner, GuideServe. Well, welcome to another edition of Punching Holes in the Darkness, a podcast produced by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan for the pastors and leaders of the great state and within our Baptist Zion, so that we can provide encouragement, inspiration, and some information in order to help better prepare our pastors to punch holes in the darkness. I'm Tim Patterson, your state executive director and your host today. And today we have for our guest a great, great leader in our convention, Ben Mandrell. I should say Dr. Ben Mandrell. I don't know how many people addressed you like that, but you are, you do have a doctorate. Uh, ben is now the president and, uh, and CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources, one of the largest Christian resourcing uh, agencies and companies in the world doing a great job there in a difficult time, as we all know about that. Ben came out of, um, we stole him out of Colorado. He was happily pastoring a church in Colorado and uh, having a great time there growing Storyline Fellowship uh, when God just shook his world and changed him and moved him back over to Nashville area. Uh, he's pastored other churches as well. He pastored uh, there in, uh, I believe it was Tennessee, and it was in Tennessee where you pastored before. And uh, uh, what church was it there in Tennessee that you pastored, Ben? Yeah, so for 12 years, I pastored a church in West Tennessee called Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Right, right. Uh, great church there, just did a wonderful job there, grew it exponentially there. Uh, anyway, Ben is a well-educated Anderson University. He's got an MDiv from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, the seminary, as we say many times. And then he's got his uh, doctorate from Union University in Jackson. Now, here's the important stuff. You are married to Lindley. Is that correct? That is correct. And you have four wonderful kids, Ava, Max, Miles, and Jack. My question is, how are they all doing during this pandemic and transition and all that you've been going through in the last year or so? Well, you know, kids are amazingly resilient. I, I've been shocked at how well they've done. I thought leaving Denver, Colorado with in really what is their coming of age years and coming back to Tennessee would be very difficult for them. Uh, it, proves, it proves that it really is harder for adults to make those changes than it is for kids. So they're doing awesome. My daughter's driving a car right now, which is oh. dangerous. 
Oh, my I've got goodness. a son that just got his learner permit oh, and man. almost took out a mailbox the other day. So that's uh, where we are. Oh, Ben. I, yeah. Uh, the, uh, and te- your, your, your stomach lining gets a little tested here and there now with the, with those teenagers like that in cars. Oh, I just, I remember those days and those were scary days. And, uh, but anyway, it, it's good. Ben is so good to have you on our podcast, punching holes in the darkness. And, uh, we have watched from afar in many ways as, as you have moved into this position at uh, Lifeway and, uh, and really a strategic time and a difficult time. And you have made some amazing changes and you've had helped lead them in some really strategic decisions. And, uh, I'm just amazed, my friend. I'm encouraged and amazed by what you're able to do. And uh, it it speaks volumes about your leadership and ability. I've been talking all this time. Tell us what is happening at Lifeway. Tell us some of the good things and the great things that God is doing in Lifeway. Man, thanks for asking that question. Because in in tumultuous times like these, it's, you know, you hear the stuff in the news that's negative, but there's so much positive that balances that stuff out. Well, first of all, I'd just say, hey, it's great to be with Midwestern pastors. I'm a Midwestern boy, born and raised in Northwest Illinois, and then spent my college years in Indiana. So I love the Big Ten, even though I'm in SEC country down here right now. <laughs> so I, I really want to get up there and spend more time. I think a big passion of mine in coming to Lifeway was to lead Lifeway to connect with churches from other parts of the country, particularly the West, Midwest, and Northeast. Uh, I think we have a lot of work to do in building relationships beyond the South. And so being a pastor and being a guy who loves culture, uh, I'm excited to connect with the culture of the Midwest again. And so just being on your podcast is a great privilege. Well, you know, good. I think God calls certain kind of leaders to organizations for in churches in certain seasons. And I think God called me to Lifeway because I, I have a pastor's heart. I think in this next season of Lifeway's ministry, it's going to be mission critical for us to get in touch with pastors, to really know what's going on in the grassroots of the churches. You know, we exited a retail uh, chain. We had 174 bookstores. Everybody knows that was the era, and it worked for a long time. But we had to make a, a change. The customers changed how they wanted to receive products. They still want to consume content. They just want to receive it differently. So we had to adjust to the culture. I feel like Lifeway is now getting back to its roots, which was an organization that was created to, 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 to produce high quality, doctrinally sound content for church leaders so that church leaders and pastors can really focus on people and developing people and relationships and developing the culture of their churches. So us relationally becoming more relational less corporate is really the future for lifeway we got to get back in touch with the the churches in the front so i really am interested in hearing from our state conventions from our state leaders from our uh our pastors as i lead lifeway back into that mode well ben you know it's obvious because you have communicated well with uh i know state execs and leaders here in uh in our my respective position we get communication from you personal stuff and uh, wanting to connect with us and which is really good thank you for doing that and uh, we appreciate your efforts in that you know one of the things that i know that you had difficulty with it seems like to me in the south uh probably 80 i don't know what the numbers are you and you don't have to go into your percentages and all but the vast majority of your uh clientele or the income came from your southern churches 
and I'd say probably 80%, somewhere like that. I'm not sure exactly what it would be, which left the others of us in the north and the west and, the, you know, out in the outlying areas about 20% or so. And I'm just guessing at those numbers. That's a difficult thing to do is say, you know, I'm going to move to focusing a lot on these guys where only 20% of our income comes from. Well, and, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a tension that we feel at Lifeway because, you know, if you look at the heat map of where yes. most Southern Baptist churches are, they're in the South. Yes. Uh, but when I was in Denver, uh, we needed some resources. We needed some help and we couldn't find the stuff we needed within Lifeway. It was, it was too contextual to the South. And so when I interviewed with Lifeway, I said, if it were me, I would start looking at how do you create products that transcend Southern culture that can be used in lots of kinds of churches. And I'll give you an example. So in, in Denver, Colorado, where I pastored, for whatever reason, people in Denver, Colorado don't like Texans. <laughs> they just don't like Texans. We know. We understand <laughs> okay. the tension. I was born so, and reared in Texas. I understand. <laughs> so we learned early on being a lot of Southern transplants out to Denver that we needed to de-emphasize Southern pieces of our church. So when we had mission teams come from the South, we learned we need to put them in the baby rooms, not in the parking lot because it was a distraction for the gospel. There was a wall that went up against this Southern culture. So whether we like it or not, those cultural boundaries are there. So what we learned is like for certain products that Lifeway created is that there were little things that if they had been tweaked, we could have used them more effectively. And so I think we've got to have more people involved in creating the products that are laying eyes on it so that we can see where those barriers are and remove them as much as possible. No, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, Ben. Uh, when I came here, I came from the South five years ago from Florida. I was born and reared in Texas, but I spent the last 25 years in in Florida, uh, the northern part of Florida, which is basically South Georgia, if you know the the region there, and the uh, so I'm I came fully seated from the south up to the north of where I had never really been, and began trying to do ministry here. But I had to learn very very quickly uh, the culture, and the culture, by the way, in one part of my state is not the same as it is in the northern part of my state. Uh, and uh, the east and west, it, it varies. When you move over into the Ann Arbor, Michigan University area, that is a completely different world than you have on the west side of the state. And uh, it's uh, over in uh, the Grand Rapids area. So uh, having material that really reaches people and is flexible enough to be adaptable, that is that is so, so important to us. Yes. And, um, uh, and we, re I really, I truly, truly appreciate you addressing that. Well, and that's why we need more advisory groups. We need, we need people looking at stuff before it goes to print. Just, Hey, read over this. Is there anything that just doesn't make sense to you that we could eliminate? It, it would be more easy for your church to use. Those conversations have been happening now for over a year at Lifeway. And as we've considered new products, we have formed advisory boards of, of church planters, for example, from all over the country, East Coast, West Coast, right. Midwest. Look into this and give us some input before we even start building it. What does it need to look like? What does it need to feel like? So in Denver, for example, we could not assume much biblical literacy at all of our volunteers. Right. So we needed products that started at the ground level that didn't, didn't assume a certain level of biblical knowledge. And so 
we've got to continue to look at the secular places and how those places need different kinds of products than say some of our more churched areas. But it is a both and because both kinds of churches need resources. Uh, absolutely, they do. There's no doubt about it. Hey, well, listen, during during the pandemic that we've been experiencing so forth, churches have uh, oh, they've had to adjust as our, our entities and organizations have had to adjust as well. Uh, and many of our churches have tried, I've been kind of scrambling, okay, what do I do in doing small groups with my children or my adults and so forth. And so they've had to make a lot of changes. One of the big ones was for, for us in this area was vacation Bible school, which is yeah. huge for Lifeway. We know that. And it's a big deal. How did you guys navigate that? I know most of what you had already prepared and in the box and ready to go was pre-pandemic. Uh, were you able to make any adjustments in any of that and help churches with that? Well, before COVID, we were on a record-breaking pace for Vacation Bible School. It was going to be the biggest year in history for Lifeway for, rec- for Vacation Bible School. We had made it our big goal of the mm. year. Let's let's take Vacation Bible School to a new level because everybody needs Vacation Bible School. Yep. COVID hit, and I don't have to tell you, we've lost a ton of money. I mean, that's yep. just – churches had to pivot. They had to rethink their whole strategy. We understood it was nobody's fault. Now, there were a lot of churches that were able to take those products and, and turn it into, like, backyard Bible club kind of feels, outdoor mm-hmm. events, virtual things. So some churches were able to pivot and make good use of it, but we had to create a website, a website that just said kids ministry from anywhere on lifeway.com so that you could take whatever existing products we have and try to use them in a digital format, maybe even a Zoom format. But as you know, Tim, uh, churches right now are not sitting around thinking about curriculum. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about how do they keep their people connected to the, even just the, the life of the church right now. And that's it's hard because people are distracted right now. They say they're watching online. You wonder if they're, re- <laughs> you know, it's just you know, it's having hard to really, Yeah, who's who's engaging? Who is really engaging? Yes. How long are they engaging? Is it just to click on? They make it through the the first song and they they're gone. Well, you know, uh, there are, of course there are ways to measure that, but most churches don't have any ability to do that. I've been a little concerned about this statistic that keeps getting put out there. We're now reaching X number of people because they're watching the service online. Mm-hmm. What level of engagement? We have no idea. Exactly. Now, there's some church. We have some churches in our area, in our state that are able to to capture that. And they really watch it. But they're larger churches and they, they yeah. have, you know it teams and so forth that do that and they're able to watch it and some of them are doing extremely well they're on the west side of our state but then we have other churches that they just struggle and some of them i've said as you know i've said guys we're just glad to have you in the 20th century you know much less it be the 21st you yeah. know uh, yeah, we're just glad to have you using email and some of our pastors literally seriously did not use email i know and, and it's been a tough, tough transition for them. I know. We at Lifeway, we still have churches that literally write a letter to Lifeway saying what kind of books they want next month. Yes. The the the, the diversity of technological needs within the SBC is so broad that to try to meet all those needs. I mean, every time I preach somewhere, someone comes up and says, man, I really miss those bookstores. And I get it. A lot of people like to just go into the store and buy the product. They don't like shopping online. They they like to feel what they're going to buy. But whether we like it or not, we're moving into a digital technological era, and we need to be moving there with the culture. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm the old guy, you know, there's no doubt. If you, if you could see on this podcast, have a visual, you can see I'm an old guy. 
uh, I still read a lot. I read constantly. Uh, 95% of my reading is digital now. Just, it just is. But I still like to pick up certain theological works, certain books, and have them in my hand. No doubt. And one of my, you know, joys in life at my age and my, it's just ingrained in me. I like to go into a bookstore and spend a couple of hours just walking through, picking up, sitting down, reading, looking, and then I'll walk out with, you know, four, five, six books. But That's true. But it's just who I am. Not everybody is like that. But we still have a, a large group, and I don't know what it is, Ben, and I don't know how you guys work the matrix on this and figure this out, but we still have a lot of people who do that, and that's a difficult yeah. thing to deal with. It's going to continue to be a both-and, Tim. There's always going to be need for that physical book that sits on your shelf that you become best friends with. You can pull it off. You can see your notes. You can see the different kinds of ink you put on the pages, but I'm with you. I'm getting more and more used to reading digitally. I, it's, to me, it's the mask effect. Yeah. I mean, when I first wore a mask into a store, I felt like the weirdest person on the planet. <laughs> now I walk in there and I forget I got the thing on my face. And yeah. So it, I, I think that's happening with reading. People are just becoming more and more familiar with it. Friends, we want to welcome today uh, One Mission TV as our sponsor here at uh, Punching Holes in the Darkness podcast. They have been an invaluable partner with us since I've come here to uh, the Baptist State uh, Convention of Michigan. What they effectively have done is they took all of our media resources and we put them together in this one neat package that One Mission TV takes care of. They're just doing an admirable job for us and have really taken us to a different level in uh, our media work. Here's some things they've done for us. They've done web design. They can do logo design, designs for print materials, and of course, any kind of video presence and, and recording you'd like to do. And uh, they've really helped us enhance our online presence as they can for you. Great guys, great partners. You will be glad you have done this. They're really a one-call media company, and I think you'll be blessed by using One Mission TV. And friends, if you want to contact One Mission TV, you can do so at info at onemission.tv. That's info at onemission.tv. I know that you guys have really made a concerted effort in helping churches or at least giving them the opportunity about online giving and how they give uh, and how they give electronically and making it a good platform and making it, I think the term you use magnetic instead of repulsive type thing. Yeah. Uh, bringing people back because so many have the old archaic way of giving, even if they have electronic giving, it is a antiquated means and methods. Whereas uh, today I pull into Starbucks, I pull out my watch, I put it up to the window. It's done. I walk away. I, that's how I get my, that's how I pay for my coffee. By the way, Starbucks has the largest, re, uh, the largest provider of purchasing by electronics. It's bigger than Apple pay or anything like this. Starbucks has the biggest one. In fact, that's what's made them actually profitable during this time that they yeah. did that. They started that five years ago. And the reason I said all of that, they got ahead of the curve in that area. Yeah. And it well, has changed. I would love to talk about how LifeWay is dealing with that because, you know, when you had bookstores before, online was kind of an extra. 
Yes. We now realize that our .com website experience has to be crazy easy, super to use, and really intuitive. Absolutely. We've got to put a lot of money, time, and energy into guiding the customer to the resources they're looking for. So we know right now we are miles and miles behind, but that's where the conversation is going. You know, you may have heard that we announced a feasibility study of whether we need this large headquarter building in downtown Nashville. Right. Well, we own that building cash. In order to put everything into the future of technology, we need capital. So the team on the ground is just asking the question, do we really need this big tower that is not even fully stewarded well? Could we embrace the future of work, be a more remote organization with cultural building experiences that gather us together, but really put our money where the customer is? Because the churches are asking for the website to be easier to use. The churches are asking for uh, a reading app. They're asking for different things that make their lives more easy. And we've not been able to do that. So now we can, we just have to get strategic around it. Yeah. We understand that just a year or so ago, we sold our facilities that were much larger facilities, but now our people work in the fields. They're out in different regions now, and we have a much, much smaller footprint. We took those funds, invested those, those funds now fund other things. And Absolutely. so that so it, it was just a leverage, leveraging of what Baptist had given and done and built. Now we just moved it into a different form and leverage it and we continue to use it and we're still building on their legacy. We're still using right. that legacy. It's not gone right. away. It looks, it just looks different. It's not you know, shiny building. It's just different. Somebody showed me recently a picture of the headquarters of Chick-fil-A and then right next to it was the front counter with all these really pleasant people waiting on the customer. And they said, which one is more important? Well, for the customer, we don't care where the headquarters are. We just yep. want good chicken and good service. Absolutely. And I think that's where the church is today. They don't necessarily want or care about where our headquarters are. They just want the things that we offer to be high quality and easy to use. Absolutely. And so it just makes good sense. I'm glad you guys did that. Kudos to you guys. Well, yeah, it, it's really helped us because it prepared us for this period of time where there were financial constraints and so forth. And honestly, we've done well. I'm, I'm just blessed. We're, we're very blessed and have done well. And, uh, we're, can I ask it, you a question, Tim? Sure. Please do. I just turned, I just turned the podcast to, to me. What is it like to be Southern Baptist in Michigan? <laughs> like talk to talk me through that. Like, is there, do Michigan people have an adverse reaction to the very name or how do you guys overcome sure. that? They do. Many of them do have, and mo and many of our churches, let me just give you history real quick, because most of our guys already know that, those who are listening. Many, many, many of our churches were formed and started by Southerners who were moved to, who moved to Michigan to work in the auto industry or some of the uh, industries surrounding those. And so you had all these Southern people come up North and they started the church, the church, Southern Baptist Church back in 1957. Many of them did this by finding, going through parking lots. Literally, they would go through parking lots of grocery stores and look for Southern license. Oh my gosh, plates. so the refugee churches. Yes, and literally, and they would invite those people and basically they transferred Southern churches to a Northern setting. Interesting. And that did fine as long as there was a continual influx of Southern people to the region. Now, many of those churches tried to maintain that Southern culture church over these last decades or so, and they're in decline and they're falling away. 
So yeah. what many uh, did, they changed their name particularly, and it doesn't, may not have Baptist in their name or not prominently or so forth. And uh, that has been what I would say most of our churches. I, I don't know that we've had a church start recently in the last five years. We may have one or two that had Baptist in the name. Right. Uh, the rest are, you know, cross church, this church, you know, whatever. Uh, Man, that's fascinating. When I landed in Denver, Colorado, just doing my homework before I launched a church, I visited the churches in the area. And I went to a couple that were in the yellow pages, SBC. And you're right. When I went in and sat down and closed my eyes, I would have thought I was in West Tennessee. Absolutely. I mean, it felt just like the South. It was, you know, all the nostalgic feelings that people get from growing up in a church in the South. There they were accessible in the West. It just wasn't reaching anybody in that community that was non-Southern. Right. And literally, you, you said it well. It was a refugee church. And yeah. you're reaching the refugees. Do those refugees need to be reached? Well, sure. Of course you do. But you've got to look beyond that. And you've got to look beyond this year and next year and the next decade. Uh, how are you going to reach those around you? How are you well, going to impact is, them? If you keep doing what that, it will eventually die. And that's why we need all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. Absolutely. And so we, we shouldn't put one another down for having different styles in our church. We need lots of different styles to reach different styles of people. Absolutely. Different language groups, different age. We, in our, of course, you know, Michigan is very, very diverse ethnically and, and international. It's just, there's so many here. Uh, when you, when you go to walk down the streets of Dearborn, uh, Michigan, it, all of the signage is in Arabic and English. Uh, it's just, it's just different. It's a different world. And yeah. uh, we need to learn how to speak the language of the people who are around us in our community. If we're really going to impact them. Hey, one question I want to ask and just, just help me with this. How is Lifeway going to be able to help us promote missions more through our materials? Um, you know, at one time, it really was kind of the arm that kept everybody abreast of our next mission offering coming up or international missions or North American missions, and all that kind of thing, and uh, really promoted and advertised that well. Are we going to be able to do more of that? I think it's so interesting that you bring that up so two weeks ago my wife and i we took a trip to the imb headquarters we've never been there I, i'd heard all about the imb obviously mm -hmm. but never actually been in richmond virginia at the headquarters and i sat down with paul chitwood and his team and i just asked the question i was like guys what could lifeway do to really tell the story of what missionaries are doing around the world how do we partner more together it seems like we need to be more in synergy with one another and so it, we had some great discussions and I can assure you those con those conversations are continuing to heat up of how do we use our curriculum and our our outlets to really let people know what God's doing around the world, around the country in different places. So yes, we're interested in that conversation. Great. I, man, I, I so appreciate that. That's just, that's just one of the things I thought, you know, that would help more. I, I just, because as a, as an executive, we're trying to find ways to keep our people connected to SBC particularly yep. our new church plants and our guys. And if it's in our literature and so forth, it, it helps. It really does. I it agree. Does and what, what Paul Chitwood has said is true. If Southern Baptists are talking about anything but the Great Commission, we get into divisive territory quick. <laughs> He's correct. So if we can stay focused on the thing that really draws us together, which is our cooperative work to send missionaries to plant churches, to spread the gospel, man, that's, that's us at our best. 
Ben, thank you. Thank you so much for being so transparent with us and sharing your heart. And uh, thank you for doing what you're doing there at Lifeway. And we, you have uh, cheerleaders in Michigan. I want you to know that. And Man, I'm going to get up there and see you guys as soon as I can. Love to have you. And it'd be a privilege to, to have you here, my friend. Well, again, thank you folks for joining with us today in one of our episodes of Punching Holes in the Darkness. Today, we've had Ben Mandrell, the president and CEO of Lifeway uh, with us. He's done a, an admirable, admirable job there at Lifeway in Nashville and will continue to do so. You be praying for him, pray for Lifeway, that God will use them in a great way. Again, Ben, love you, my friend. Thank you thank for you. all you're doing. God bless you. This has been Punching Holes in the Darkness, a podcast from the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. If you have liked this episode, please rate us and leave a review. That will help others to find us and enjoy these conversations too. And if you subscribe, you will be notified when new episodes are available. Join us next time as we help Michigan churches punch holes in the darkness.